Let's open up to Judges chapter 6. We're continuing our series on the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 33 through 40. If you're there, we all stand as we receive the word of God. Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 33 to the end of the chapter. Here is the word of God. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together. They crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Jebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is a dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, and he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please, let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and all on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Lord God, we come before your word. Will you be gracious to us and reveal your truth? What you want us to hear? So we come before you with open, humble heart. We desire you to teach us, train us, correct us. Reveal your insights that we need to learn and we need to take into our lives and apply. So would you bless us? God, I pray for your blessing, for your spirit, to empower your servant to deliver your message and for your people to hear and understand. God, we thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, as we pray together, it is tragic uh, what's happening in Israel. Uh, as much as they are the people, the chosen people of God, I also, um, my heart goes after them. And as so many videos of kidnap and uh, murder being happened on the screen, it's real. It's not a game. Uh, it's not a movie or drama. Uh, but at the same time, uh, media and U.S. do not talk about the tragedy and chaos that is ensuing in Gaza Strip as well. Uh, we do report that, but it is extensive. Uh, they just let the people in Gaza Strip uh, northern portion of it to move down south 
and God knows what will uh, ensue in following hours. I haven't checked the news and something might happen already. But let's continue to pray for Israel as well as those people in the Gaza Strip that this will not become something uh, so great, uh, so much. Um, I guess, uh, like 1960s, where that regional war will break out once again. Uh, there's two U.S. Per- carrier, aircraft carrier groups are stationed. Two. Um, that's never been done in that region since Gulf War, from my understanding. So, uh, let's fervently pray. Our God does not make mistakes. He is always in control. We're not asking for explanation or reason, but we ask for His grace and mercy. Not only for them, but for the whole world. Continue to pray. Now, we're back in chapter 6 once again. Uh, we've been in chapter 6 past three weeks, and we've been looking into this unknown person, uh, unknown farmer. Before God called him, he was just a simple man in Gideon. And yet God appeared to Gideon and called him a man of valor. Soon Paul's son's name will be Valor. A man of valor. A mighty warrior in direct literal translation. And this, no one, nobody, will inevitably soon save his people, Israel, from the enemy. However, when God broke this news, however, uh, God multiple times reassured him. This man was very passive in believing God's promise, God's word. He was reluctant to uh, embrace God's call. Simply because he just can't believe it. He just doesn't see himself to be a judge material. He doesn't see himself to be a man of valor a mighty warrior. He knows all too well of his own inability, his weakness. He knows in his own logic, this cannot be. This can't be. I cannot be the one leading the people of Israel and delivering them from seven-year-long just cruel oppression by the enemy. So God took, I mean, it took multiple convincing effort from God for him to get where we are right now. And we have seen it in the middle of the chapter 6. Before that huge mission, God had another mission in Gideon. Before he could save his own people, he also has to do something. There has to be a mission, and that mission was cleaning his own heart. He had to clean out his own household. Because in his own backyard, in his own father's backyard, there was altar to Baal, altar to Esherod. They were engaging in idol worship as they were crying out to God, which is ironic. And dare I say, idiotic. Because when you need God, For his salvation, you ask God to rescue them, yet you are still engaging in idol worship. So God says, 
You need my help. You need my blessing. I called you to save your people and you've been complaining. And which God, Gideon did. Where have you been? Have you been listening to us? Have you seen the uh, pain and suffering of your own people? Yet as they cry out to God, they still engage in the very thing that God called you. So God called them to do a simple mission. Go and demolish, destroy the altars. And only altar that will happen, will, will, will be present in your life, in your heart, and in your father's household will be the altar to me. So before God can use Gideon, as his mighty warrior, before he could carry out the mission to save his own people, Gideon had to purify himself. He had to be holy. And God must be the Lord of every aspect of his life. And then verse 33. What's happening in the verse 33? Just like they have done, the enemy, just like the past seven years, these, this ruthless mob of Midianites, Amalekites, and these people, coalition of the people east side of the Jordan, they crossed the Jordan, just like they have done every year. And their intention was to literally swarm that part of Israel. And they will sit and eat away everything. That Israel raised. However, this time it was different. There was entirely different reaction from Israel. Instead of cowering from uh, the enemy in fear, instead of laying low in wine presses, instead of running to the caves and hiding in the mountains, something different happened. Gideon boldly sounded the trumpet for war. He let his clan know. He called his own tribe. And he sent out messengers to the nearby tribes to gather. And an army was gathering to fight against the enemy for the first time in seven years against this mob. How is this possible? Is this the result of the enemy being weaker and Israelites see the opening and possibility to destroy them? Is this possible because all of a sudden Gideon uh, um, realized his raw potential? All of a sudden he has this rush of self-esteem and he was able to do this? What changed? Verse 34 happened. The direct result of God clothing this no one, nobody, simple farmer was the answer. He was clothed with the Spirit of the Lord. And all of a sudden, with the Spirit of God taking over, this fearful, doubtful no one took the command. And he called his brothers to gather. And he assumed the role of leadership. Folks, I tell you, it really does not matter whether you are reluctant 
to follow God's command, whether you are enthusiastic to obey God's word. It really does not matter because once you are clothed and filled with the Spirit of God, when you are tapped in and connected to that that never um, ending power source of God, you become powerful instrument of God, no matter how weak, no matter how uh, uh, unprepared you might be. The Spirit of Lord would take over. Because as Paul said to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear. The very spirit that we have received is spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of self-control. And through the Holy Spirit and that very spirit, the God himself who lives in every believer, we can be bold as we can see in Gideon. And we can be excited about the mission of God, no matter how risky it is, no matter how even the remote possibility or likely possibility to lose your life is praise. You may be strong and courageous. So Gideon was clothed with the Spirit, and therefore he boldly sounded a trumpet to carry out God's mission. And this version of Gideon is new to us. And all throughout the chapter 6, we have seen timid, shy, even cowardly Gideon. But yet, we have seen the man of valor, a mighty warrior, gathering his people. But then, look at verse 35 and look at verse 36. There's something, something different, something happened in between those two verses. And I believe there was a reality check. So, he had this great intention. Finally, he was convinced that I am a mighty warrior of God. And he has this great energy, and he called out his clan, called out his tribe, and let the messengers to gather. Gideon is calling you to fight the enemy for for the first time against this group. And there is a great momentum. He gathered an army, little over 30,000. Maybe he stood up before them and gave an inspiring speech, how God called him, what God's plan is, and how he assured him. But what's happening between verse 35 and 36 is this. So that Gideon was leading them down to meet the camp of the enemy. And as they were coming down to the valley, what they can see is the sheer size of the enemy's camp. The camp of several thousand soldiers. Now all of a sudden, between verse 35 and 36, we do not have record of the psyche. But before 36 happens, Something happened in Gideon's mind as he was faced with the reality, faced with the sheer size of the enemy, something happened. It became real to him. I believe Gideon had a moment really to think about what he is about to get into. He was thinking, oh. 
and they had more. When 30, over 30,000 people gathered with him, probably he was pumped. But as he was coming down, and he seen hundreds of thousands ready to fight. This is not what I know. This is going to be harder than I thought. I know what God said, what God promised. But this doesn't look easy. You see, that faith that enabled him to boldly and courageously sound the trumpet and call the people to gather was being seriously challenged. Little bit of a doubt now creeps in. Slowly this fear is taking over. That familiar feeling that he had up to this point is welling up again. Gideon was once again scared. And he needed God. He needed God for sure. Yes, God called Gideon. Yes, Gideon obeyed his instruction. Yes, even the Spirit of God clothing him. Still, he would have a hard time trusting, believing God without doubt, without fear. That God will indeed come through and he will keep his promise and deliver his people. That faith is being seriously challenged. Now before you and I get disappointed by Gideon, before we shake our heads in disbelief on his lack of faith, if we are going to be honest with ourselves and really assess our own walk with God, our own faith, you see, Gideon's faith should be very familiar to us, if not very normal or real to us. Because we too have received the Spirit of God tonight, didn't we? We too have been empowered and clothed by the very Spirit Gideon received. And we too are instructed to carry out certain critical, important, great missions in our lives. We too are supposed to believe in His promises. We too are supposed to be strong and courageous just like Gideon. But at times, we're not strong, we're not courageous, we're not so sure about what to believe and what to trust. And we are shaky on our faith. We're not so sure about his promises. We question them. We're not so certain as we are faced with the reality of our lives, as we are faced with difficult tasks and overwhelming circumstances. We're just like Gideon, doubtful, fearful. Hard time, having hard time trusting God and His plan, believing His promises to us. It is very easy for us to be negative or critical of Gideon and his behavior. 
it's quite easy for us to label Gideon as a coward, as a faithless man of God who struggled with unbelief. But I want you to think about this. Here is a nobody. He here was this super ordinary person being asked to do super difficult something radically different for his own life. It's like a you are being asked to do a mission impossible when you are not Ethan Hunt. If that makes how would you feel? That is the picture we have here before us. Would you respond differently? Are you sure? Are you so sure that you won't have any fear, any doubt? Yes, you have reluctantly agreed. Yes, I understand, God, you made these promises. Yes, I understand you saved me. I understand your spirit is with me. I understand there is a mission to be done. I understand, I believe, and I said it multiple times that I believe in your word. I believe in your promises. But we cower. We are fearful. We walk back on our promise. Be sure that you will carry out God's mission without an ounce of doubt or disbelief. For you to fight for your marriage in order to save your marriage. For you to battle against any type of addiction that you have and continue to derail your life. For you to truly sacrifice for the kingdom of God, not just with words, but sacrificing, giving your time, your life, your resources, that this is enough, God will understand. No, you go above and beyond trusting in His word and His promise. Are we sure we're nothing like Gideon? We're, we're better than Gideon? Look, don't be too quick to judge him and knock him down. Because we are a lot like him. We're a lot like him. We got high and we got low. What Gideon had. He saw the angel of the Lord. He saw God face to face. He even heard the voice of God up to this point, And now he was even clothed with the Spirit of God. All of these were what happened in chapter 6. But here comes this lack of faith. He still needed assurance. He needed reassurance from God. So what did God, what did Gideon do? What did Gideon ask? From God. Gideon decided to test God. So here comes the famous piece. He sets out. He put a dry sleeve of wool on a dry ground. And it said, God, make this fleece wet. Yet the ground will remain dry. And it was so. And he was able to pick it up and squeeze. And fill a bowl with water. And that wasn't enough. Next morning, 
God, don't be angry. But once more, we reverse the request. Let it be dry and the rest of the ground wet. And it was so. Gideon, for the sake of his own faith, he decided to test God. He needed to test God. That's his spiritual maturity. That was his level of trust that he has for God. Yet what's amazing about this story, this famous plea, is not the plea. It's not the uh, scientific uh, uh, truth behind how it is even possible. It is nothing about God and his supernatural ability to do this, but it is just simply his grace. What's really, truly amazing about this story is God's grace, his kindness, his faithfulness to meet this Gideon at his level of faith. In his grace and kindness, God responded to Gideon in both of the requests, confirming God's plan, just as Gideon wanted. And the rest, we'll see in chapter 7, is history. God truly, through Gideon, saved his people from the oppression. Now, what do you think about the story of how do you apply this story in your life? Some of you might be thinking, is this the kind of method should I be doing and following this formula in my life? You see, when Gideon was doubtful, when he was fearful of his situation, when his faith was wavering, struggling, Gideon tested God. So you might be thinking, yeah, we might be able to do the same. Is this what we are supposed to do when our faith is being challenged? Our our trust in God's word is shaking. You might be thinking, maybe I can do this. Maybe that is your appetite. What do you say? Pastor? That's a great question. But I would address that question by bringing up the theme of the judges. And we have looked at the theme of this book. It comes at the last verse of this book. What is the theme? What is the trend of this entire book? Everyone did what was right in their eyes. That, that, that was repeated. Everyone did what was right, what was pleasing to their eyes. That was the trend, that was the theme of this book. And this does not exclude the judges. Judges themselves did what was right in their own eyes. They're not excused. It's very important for us to understand Gideon's story, particularly this story as well. And when you understand this story, you have to understand it as a description, as a story of an unfaithful man living in an unfaithful society in the world, trying to understand this faithful God. That is how we have to approach the story. Unfaithful, 
hard to trust, fearful, doubtful men living in a world that is filled with things that God called evil. And he is trying to understand this faithful God. Trying to make sense of his work. All that is to say, simply, you and I have to understand these judges in this particular book, their characters, their behaviors, with the grain of salt. Gideon's action here, particularly in this decision to test God, is not your prescription. Is not God's prescription or certainly a method or a formula for you to employ in your life in order to figure God out. Testing God is not what I recommend. Now, Thomas, remember him? What did he say after the rest of the disciples said, the Lord has risen? Thomas says, unless I see the risen, unless I poke my finger into his hand, unless I put my hand to his side, I will never believe. That's what he said. I will never believe. And for this unbelieving, doubtful, Disciple, what did Christ do? He appeared again. Put your hand. Put your hand. You believe now. God will graciously, kindly, stoop down, stoop down to our spiritual level and meet. But at the same time, the word, the word that the Lord spoke, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have it. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have it. Gideon could certainly continue on. Yes, he sees the sheer size of the enemy. He has a little over 30,000. And there will be about half a minute. I understand the challenge. But God, He does not walk back on His promise. His word always comes. Folks, I really know one of the top questions um, that the young people uh, in their college days as they're trying to figure out their course of career. Or people outside of college trying to understand their career move. Young people trying to understand what to do with their potential uh, spouse. Buying a home. Building their career. They really want to know God's will. And it doesn't stop. As you become a parent, you really want to go. Know God's will because you are responsible of these little lives. You want to know what's God's plan for me and my family. There are times, numerous times in my life that I really needed to hear from God and know His plan for me. I sure like to really understand His thought process. 
what he wants me to do, what he wants me to choose. And in that moment, it is very tempting. I tell you, it's very tempting to do what Gideon did. Test God. And what you do is you lay down these creative, uh, different, all kinds of creative fleeces on the ground in order to test God. God, if you uh, really want me to take this job, God, meet me on this side. God, if you really want me to take this job, then you need to uh, get me a call tonight. If you really want me to buy this house, God, drop this price down to this. God, if you really want me to go out with this person, he or she will text me with this word by certain time. I don't know if you have done that. It's no different than you. You're testing that. But I tell you, you got to be careful of doing that. Because what we are doing is we're treating God like a magic eight ball. You know what magic eight ball is? You shake it, and as you shake, you ask, you pose a question, and then you look at it, it gives you an answer. But God is not a magic eight ball. I tell you, God does not have a secret plan that you have to work your butt up, yet you have to struggle to find out what his will is for you. It doesn't work that way. It is not a secret plan. What we are doing by shaking that eight ball and doing that fleece is because we want to know ahead of time. We do it for our own sake. We want to know his plan before it happens for the sake of our own comfort and peace. You see, in his previous conversation with Gideon, God already told everything Gideon needed to know and believe, right? Is that true? I called you. I fill you with the spirit. I am present in your life through you. I will rescue my people. There, everything Gideon needed to know and obey was already given. Yet what God, what Gideon was doing is testing God on what he had already said. You can see it in verse 36. You can see it in verse 37. Every request he has, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, as you have said a couple of times. Because he heard it. He heard it. He understand what God will do through him. As you have said. But then I still need the truth. I really need you to bear it. I heard you. But I need you to do it. In my own way. God is good. All the time. Is he not? Amen. He is good 
and he is good all the time. And this good and perfect God has a plan for each and every one of us. And yet within his plan, and yet he gives us freedom to choose. He gives us freedom to choose for ourselves. Yet he also shows this way of obedience, the path of righteousness. He gives us freedom, but he lets us know the path that we should be on, the choices that we have to make. Make sense? That's what God does. He gives you freedom. But he also lets you know what he desires. He invites us. To take that road with him. He invites you to take that sacrifice, take that risk with him. He wants you to take those steps with him in faith, with your feet. That's what God desires. Instead of testing him and hear him, but question. But still, Gideon tested God. He still asked for signs from God. And you might be thinking, oh, Gideon did it. Why can't we do it? Why aren't you saying, why, why, why are you discouraging us from doing exactly what Gideon did? Why can't we ask for signs from God? Why can't we? After all, God did respond to Gideon. Not once, but twice. Is it so wrong and sinful for us to test God? Just like Gideon? If it was so wrong and sinful, then why did God respond to him? Because it was Gideon. Fearful child of God. He just wanted to hear that everything's going to be okay. He heard him. But he could not go through it. So what did he do? He turned to God. He knows he is lacking in faith. He turned to God. Don't be angry. But could you do this? Twice. Now this, I don't believe this is treating God like magical. He did not turn to God. To get what he wants. To get rich. To be prosperous and successful. But to be able to save his own brothers and sisters. So he turned to God for that. To understand God. The nature of God. How awesome. How strong and powerful he is. That how he is even sovereign over these unexplainable things of the world. You know how ridiculous it is? I don't know how he came up with this test. Why fleece? Why dry and wet? Because only God can do something of this. Only God can deliver this. This is Gideon turning to God. As I said, trying to understand this. That he is sovereign. That he is in fact will fulfill his own promise and deliver his people. He needed to hear from God that everything will be okay. 
But what are we to do when we are scared? When we are fearful of doing what God says? But we have to turn to God first. We have to turn to God. Admit that you are lacking. This is hard for me to believe. Hard for me to carry out. Begin by reading. Begin by praying. And try to understand what God has in store for you. If you need help to overcome your unbelief, your fear, then ask God to help you to believe, and He will. He will help you, command you to step out of your boat and walk on the water. You need to ask. But you're not using God to satisfy your own needs, to fulfill your selfish reasons. Each time you turn to God and you ask, when your faith is wavering, then He will point you to the truth. He will point you to His Son, Jesus Christ. He will point you to the cross, His life and death. He will point you to the fact that how much He loves you. If that helps, if that leads you to understand this is not so difficult, not so overwhelming, you see, Gideon did not know Jesus Christ. Gideon does not know about the cross. But you and I do. You need a miracle. You need a sign in your life that God exists and God will deliver and keep His promise. Look to the cross. Turn to the cross. And ask if you have doubts and fears that you need to hear from God. Everything will be okay. Turn to Him. Cross in the Lord. And ask God. Be present in your life. He will close you with the Spirit. He will fill you and empower you. And He keeps you. Amen. Folks, I understand there are things that is overwhelming in your life. There are decisions to be made. And you understand, as you get older, all the decisions have, have come with a lot of consequences. And therefore, you are fearful of the decisions and rightly so. But God already has spoken. But God already demonstrated His love. That God made a way possible for Him to be present in your heart. And even then, if we need to be reassured and hear from God, everything will be okay. Turn to Him. Just simply ask, can you reassure me? Can you help me? To muster my courage to be bold and strong. And he will end.